This year we've been doing Christmas in reverse. We've actually uh, tried to look at this incredible Christmas story and in reverse kind of begin with the end in mind. Why was it that Jesus actually came? What's this whole point of Advent and Christmas? We don't really understand the story until we understand the ending and the reason for the story. As a matter of fact, the Bible's going to begin and give us some hints of that reality. Is uh, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Joseph and says, "Hey, Mary's going to have a child. I know you haven't been with her yet, but she's going to have a child. This is of my doing." And he tells him, and you shall call this child, this boy, Jesus. Because God is the one who names his son. We don't have that right. Mary and Joseph didn't have that right. But it says, call him Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is going to do something amazing. He's going to save his people from their sins. And to save us from his sins, is what he's going to have to do for us is he's going to have to, he's going to, have to live for us. He's going to have to die for us because we are that bad and be resurrected. So when we begin with the end in mind, we begin of the purpose of why Jesus came. We see this. He was born to die. We're celebrating the birth, the birth of Jesus. But he was born to die so that we can have a death to death and truly live. So we've been looking at the components of what was it necessary? What would it take for Jesus to rescue you and me from our sins? How do we make sure that this, this works? And we looked at the fact that Jesus had to be son of man. In other words, he had to be fully man. And the story of God's word is this, is that a man has to not only uh, represent us, but he also has to relate to us. So at Christmas time, we have the celebration of God in flesh, God who relates to you and to me. He not only relates to us, he sympathizes with us. And he not only sympathizes with us, but he actually represents us. He represents us in life. He represents us in his death and in his resurrection. So we have to have Jesus as son of man, but we also have to have him as son of God. He had to be God in flesh because only God could absorb the wrath that our sins deserve. Our God is a holy God. He's without sin. And for him to be able to tolerate us is he had to pour his wrath upon his son and only God's son on that cross crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Could absorb the wrath of God. Why? So that God could dispense to us through his son, his pleasure and his love. So for this Christmas story to work, for him to come and rescue us, this Jesus has to be son of man, fully man. He has to be son of God, fully God. But we're going to rewind it again and go all the way back to the fact that he also had to be the boy Jesus. This evening, we're going to look at the infant Jesus in the manger. This morning, we're going to look at the boy Jesus. There's one story that God's uh, word tells us. And we're going to realize that Jesus had to experience all the wonder and the challenges of even adolescence. It's kind of interesting to picture God as an adolescent, isn't it? Uh, even a teenager. And how can he be a teenager without sin? Is that not a mystery right there? So what I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask all of the young boys and girls who are here 12 years of age and younger to come up and join me. As I read this story, I'm going to read this story a little bit uniquely. It's going to be found in your bulletins and the Read With Me Bible. If you all can come and have a seat here on the quilts, nice job. Thank you for coming and helping Miss Maggie.
Story time. It's the best time. You guys excited for tomorrow? Anybody know what tomorrow is? Isn't that awesome? Yahoo, Yahoo. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. A few more making the way. There's room. We're going to make room. Man. Hey, can you guys scoot up just a little bit more so we can make some room? All right, fantastic. Everybody's eyes up here, hands down by yourself. I'm sorry, there might be a, uh, is there a little piece of rug for you. Hey, good morning, everybody. You excited about tomorrow? Yeah, that will be fantastic. Okay, let me ask a couple of y'all a question. Kaylee, how old are you? You're nine? Do you know that Jesus was nine one time? Isn't that incredible? He was just like you. All right, let me see. James, how old are you? He's eight. He's eight? Do you know, James, that Jesus was eight? How old are you, Miss Baker? Nine. You're nine as well? Anybody here six? Do you know that Jesus was six one time? Isn't that incredible? How old are you? You're six too? That's a great age to be. That is awesome. Are you six? Mm -hmm. Isn't that awesome? Are you six as well? How old are you? You're five. Do you know that Jesus was five one time? Let me ask you guys a question. Hey, David. Good job collecting the uh, offering today. Thank you for doing that. Good job collecting the offering. You're five as well. That's awesome. Okay. Hi, Caleb. I love Caleb. Okay. Okay. It's going south in a hurry. Let me ask one more question. Have any of you ever been lost? Maybe in the store. Anybody ever been lost? (sighs) David, how does it feel to be lost? Kind of fun. (laughs) Not the direction I thought we were going to go, all right? But but for a normal human, I'm sorry, David, for someone not superhuman, is it being lost scared? Has anybody been lost in a store? Do you know... Do you know that there was one time when Jesus was a little boy that he was lost? He was lost not just for one day, not just for two days. He was lost. Well, he wasn't really lost. He, didn't, he, he knew where he, knew was. Where he was. He knew where he was. That's right. Yeah. But his parents didn't know where he was. And I'm telling you, when your parents don't know where you are, panic. That's a scary thing. The Bible tells us about Jesus when he was a little boy. Will you listen to this story as I read it to you? And it's going to talk about his parents thinking that he was lost. This is about Jesus being in the temple. It says this. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem. That's like the big city where they lived. And they had to travel for the Passover feast. When he was 12 years old, they went to the feast as usual. After the feast was over, his parents left to go home. Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they had family. They were unaware of it. They thought he was somewhere in the large group. They were traveling as this big group of people. And they thought that Jesus was somewhere with with the whole family. So they traveled on for an entire day. They went headed back home. Then they began to look for him among their friends. Hey, have you seen Jesus? Has anybody seen Jesus? Anybody? Hey, who has Jesus? Who's seen Jesus? And they didn't find him. So they went back to Jerusalem 
to look for him. And after three days, not one, not two, but three days, they found him and he was in the temple. He was sitting with the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at how much he understood. Like, wow, this Jesus, he knows this story so well. They were so amazed with his answers. How does this little boy know so much? When his parents saw him, how do you think they felt? They haven't seen him for three days. They were amazed at his teaching answers well. His mother said this to him. Have your mother ever said this to you? Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been worried sick about you. We've been looking for you everywhere. Jesus, we're so afraid. By the way, Mary and Joseph, good job losing the savior of the world for three days. Good job. You know, you know, here's the hope of all of man gone. Three days. He is, isn't he? Why were you looking for me? He asked. That's an interesting thing to ask. Why would Jesus say that? Didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? He called the temple something that no one else called it. He said, this is my father's house. But they didn't understand what he meant. You know what? I was supposed to show you the pictures and I haven't shown you the pictures. I am the worst. There he is. All right. So here he is teaching. Um, and now they're amazed. And then when he, uh, but he went back to Nazareth with them and he obeyed them. Jesus became wiser and stronger. He became more pleasing to God and to people. And there he is on his way home. Jesus for three days was in the temple that he called his father's house. And we're going to try to talk to your parents and to you and tell you, what does that mean for us? But I want you to know this. He loves you. And he was a boy just like you, or he understood what it was like to be a, a little boy or a little girl and grow up just like you. And he loves you. Let's pray, okay? Jesus, thanks for loving us enough to come and be with us. Thank you for loving us, not just to be with us, but to become just like us. Thank you that you love the little children because you were once a little child. And thank you for the fact that you love your father and your father's house and everything you meant so that we could love your father too and feel comfortable in your father's house. Thank you that his house is our house if we are Christians and we love you, Jesus. So come and speak, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Okay, tell your parents, bring you back tonight for the Chris Candlelight service, all right? If you guys could head back to your seats, Yahoo. You're stuck? Here you go. Oh, see you, man. Good to see you. I was going the wrong way. Out you of this whole place, yeah. there's probably 35% of kids here. I know, it's incredible. No, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I say we do it every Sunday. I mean, are you kidding me? That is awesome. You never know which way it's going to go. You think you're going to ask a good question. You get a wrong answer. It's like, okay. I couldn't wait to show them the story book, and I didn't show them one. So uh, I'll get better. Next year, I'll be ready. Okay, there's a couple things I want to tell you about this incredible story. I hope that you were able to hear. It's also listed for you in the bulletin. This is Jesus. Of all the stories in the Bible, this is the only one that kind of shows him as a child. This is the only story that shows him as a 12-year-old boy. And here are three things we're going to hear about this story or need to know. And the first one is this. This boy Jesus loved being in his father's house. Okay, kids. 
He was in the temple. And the temple was a place in Jesus' day uh, that was uniquely a place where God dwells or where God is. As a matter of fact, in the temple, God says, I'm going to put my name. It's where God's presence was uniquely. And here you have Jesus and here you have this, this temple up on a hill, this holy place, this place that people would go to. And Jesus hangs out there. And he's like, this is my home. Jesus acts like he personally owns the temple. It's very, very unusual. He acted like he belonged there. He acted like he owned it. Why? Well, because the gospel story, the gospel of John tells us that Jesus, the eternal God, put on flesh and he dwelt among us. It's very interesting. You got to hear this. In John 1, 14, it says this, the word of God, he put on this flesh, he became man and he tabernacled, he templed with us. Here's what the Bible is telling us. As Jesus was sitting in the temple, watch this. Jesus is the true temple. Jesus is the true temple, the true place where God and man dwell. The true holy place. The true place where we find access to God. He is the true temple. And so it's amazing that he feels so comfortable in his father's house. Well, he's always known the father. This is in so many ways his place. But as he sat in the temple, he kind of is the temple. Matter of fact, Jesus got in a lot of trouble with religious people. He did that a lot because he would say something to them that really one of the reasons they killed him was because he said this, destroy this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. Destroy this temple in three days. I'm going to bring it back. And they're all like, how can you destroy the temple? It's a place that God and man meet. And he wasn't talking about the temple in Jerusalem. He was talking about the temple of his body. He was talking about the reality. Once you, if you kill me and then God sends me to the cross for our sins, it's going to be raised up in three days. You see, the good news of the gospel is Jesus has come to be, to temple with us, to be God's presence with us. But here's what he does. So that you and I, sinners like us, we too will be comfortable with the Father. We will feel comfort in the Father's presence. We'll be sinners who have been set free. Because Jesus is the only way to the Father's heart. Jesus is the only way to the Father's presence. Jesus is the only way that we feel welcome and we are welcomed to be a part of God's story and house. Jesus would say it this way. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me. But the story of the Bible is more. Watch this. It's more than Jesus coming as a true temple to make us comfortable with God. Watch this. This is incredible. It says that if you are a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, that we now are the temple of God. We're the place that God and man meet. We're that place, that special, unique place. The apostle Paul will tell us in 1 Corinthians six nineteen: Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. So here we see the boy, 12-year-old Jesus in the temple, a place that he basically owned and felt very comfortable. But because of the reality of who he is, we could be comfortable with God too. And that we can not only be comfortable with God, we can find a relationship with him. Not only that, but he can fill us with his presence that we, his church, his people are the temple of God. You know, by the way, 
where would you find Jesus? Where did, where did his mom and dad eventually find him? The place where God dwells. If you ever wonder, God, have you left me? Where will you find Jesus? You'll always find him with the Father. You'll always find him in the heart of God's story. You'll always find him gathered with God's people. And here's what he tells you. If you're his, he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. So the incredible thing is the boy Jesus loved being in his father's house. Second thing we're going to see is the boy Jesus loved hearing the father's story. What was he doing? He wasn't just, you know, there playing and running around the temple. He was sitting and listening to the teachers. He was listening to the law of God. He was listening to the story of God. And as you read the Bible, you realize that as he's listening to God's story, he is God's story. He is the word of God made flesh. When he was asking great questions and he was asking about the law, he was really, watch this, he was really asking about himself. Because the reality is, is he is the hero of the story and he's the fulfillment of the law. The Bible will say he's the word of God in flesh. They were all amazed at his answers. Why? Because he is the answer. I don't know how you feel about God's story, but only do you know that he is the answer to the story. He is the story. He is the champion. He is the hero. He is the word of God made flesh. And the amazing thing is the boy Jesus loved hearing the father's story because the father's story is a story of love for you and me being told through him. It's a story of Jesus when he was resurrected. He was walking along this road to Emmaus and he appeared. And although his disciples didn't recognize him, they were, they were disappointed. They thought that Jesus was the Messiah, but they saw him crucified and that he was dead. And they were trying to figure out this story. And Jesus appears to them and he walks with them. And, he's, and they're all sad. He's like, what are you guys sad about? They said, we thought this Jesus was the Messiah, but they crucified him. And he said, well, didn't God's story said that the Messiah must come, the Christ must suffer? He must suffer and die so you and I will live? So Jesus did something. Man, I wish I was there. Jesus did something that was just amazing. He talked to these guys and he took them back to Moses, the beginning of the Bible and the prophets. And he proved to them that the Christ must suffer. And eventually he'd open their eyes to see the reality that he is the story. And it says their hearts burned within them as they realized they heard the story of God being told by God's son. And he is the one who is the story. But Jesus, not only the point of the story, here's, here's a beautiful thing about Christ, Christianity and Christmas. Jesus invites us into the story to be a part of the story, to not only be a part, but to play a part. The Bible tells us he came to rescue us. He came for you. He came to rescue you, to give you life and life abundantly. But he also did more. He came to empower us to be a part of the search and rescue effort that he has around the world. Sometimes if you watch the news and there's a little boy or girl who's missing, it's really sad. It saddens our heart. A lot of times police officers, they'll, they'll gather a search party. Everybody will go and they're going to they're gonna search for the one who is missing. The story of Christianity is that Jesus would come on a search and a rescue for you and for me. And once he finds us and he loves us and rescues us, he says, come join the search party. Come join and, and look for the lost and tell them the good news 
that I have come from them. So the boy Jesus, he loved being the father's house. He loved hearing the father's story. And the last thing is the boy Jesus grew up as the father's favored son. One of the most mysterious, beautiful verses in scripture is at the end of the go- uh, chapter two of Luke's gospel. It says that Jesus grew. <laughs> God grew. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor, kind of intelligence, physically, favor, stature, in God's eyes and men's eyes. Jesus grew up. Jesus at one time was an adolescence, adolescent. At one time went through that awkward voice change thing. His body had to change. He had to become like you. The whole nine yards, the whole enchilada of growing up, Jesus had to do it. And no one ever did it better. And as he went home, after being rescued again by his parents or, or found by his parents, they realized, yes, you're in the father's house. It says he obeyed them. He submitted to them. And he grew in favor with man and with God. And here's the beautiful thing about this Jesus. Everything that Jesus has, he shares with those he loves. And the greatest thing that he has found is the father's love and the father's favor. And that is what he shares with us. See, Jesus would become one of us and even go through those awkward adolescent and teenage years. Why? So he'd relate to you right now. Why? So he could rescue us. Why? So that we could be a part of his family. So he would be able to say, didn't you know where to find me? I'm in my father's presence. Because of me, you're welcome here too. I've come so you can have the Father's favor, so you can know the love of a Father for sinners like us. I've come to give you life and life apart abundantly. Do you know this, Jesus? Are you part of this family? If so, celebrate. Again, we're gonna come back tonight and look at the manger. We've made our way from the cross, the son of God, son of man, the teenager, come And let's behold the newborn king in a manger tonight. Let us pray. Father God, thank you that we can know your love, find comfort in your presence, and even have a place in your heart and your home because of Jesus. I love the reality that at the end of his life with his disciples, and he's telling them that he's going to depart if it were not true, he wouldn't say it. And he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the Father. But where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And in that place of the Father's dwelling, there's many homes, there's many mansions. And it's for those of us who are his, those of us who Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for putting on flesh. Thank you for being the son of man, the son of God. Thank you for being the boy Jesus so that we can know the love of the Father, so we can know the rescue of the Son, so that we can become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, what incredible love you've lavished upon us. And Jesus, we thank you that you not only rescued us, you call us to be a part of your rescue effort, to tell others the good news of great joy, of a God who loves and a God who gives everything he can so that we could be his. Jesus, thank you again for bringing us to the Father. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.